we are working through Daniel, and this is kind of a long reading, so we've been trying to find creative ways so we're not just listening to words. So today we're actually stealing a Jewish tradition used during Purim. Um, during Purim, when they read the story of Esther, they make sound effects when certain words, certain names are said. So we're going to do that today for our reading of Daniel 4. Um, so Henry is going to help us with signs. So when we hold up a sign, you guys say what's on the sign. All right, so when you hear Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to shout, long live the king. Long live the king. There you go. When you hear the word dream, you'll go, all right, I think we have to try that one again. Dream. All right, and when you hear Belteshazzar, you'll say Daniel because he was renamed and his name's Daniel. You know, when you get tired of having your name said the wrong way, you get a little tired of it. So, all right, the last one is Most High, and we're just going to shout praise the Lord. All right, here we go. Ready, Henry? All right. King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God, oh, Most High, praise, praise the Lord, has done for me. How good are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, calm down, Henry, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of my dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told the dream to them, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He, who was named Belteshazzar, Daniel, after the name of my God, in whom the spirit of the holy God, gods, and whom I told the dream, I said, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my, of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and beheld a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of heaven lived in its branches, and all flesh were fed from it. I saw in the dreams, as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. 
Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. Let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know the Most High, rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismissed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be before those who hate you and the interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to the heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade and in fruit abundant, whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from the heavens and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in its tender grass of the field, let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time passed over him. This is the interpretation, O King Nebuchadnezzar. It is a decree of the Most High, praise the Lord, <laughs> which has come upon my Lord, the King, that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to you, to, to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from that time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let your counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing grace to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking by the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know what the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. 
Immediately the words were fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. Praise the Lord and praised and honored him who lived forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stand in his way. Or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. For the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol and honor the Most High, King of Heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Here ends our reading. Yeah, it's sad, believe me, Missy, when you're born to be a sissy without the feminine five. But I could show my prowess, be a lion, not a mouse, if I only had the nerve. I'm afraid there's no denying, I'm just a dandelion, a fate I don't deserve. I'd be brave as a blizzard. I'd be gentle as a lizard. I'd be clever as a gizzard. If the wizard is a wizard who will serve, then I'm sure to get a brain. A heart, a home, the name. Well, first of all, Henry, I'm very impressed. You are running around up here. You got your workout uh, putting up all the signs. And I'm sorry, we failed you by the end. We had lost all our gusto. And you were up here working hard. So thank you for doing that. And thank you, Rachel, for leading us through that passage. It was a long one, but as we were looking at paring it down, it just... You, you lose a lot of the understanding and the context of what's going on here. And now I recognize we're not going to be tackling the entire chapter 4 of Daniel because we're, we're taking a very particular look at Daniel through this series. We're looking at aspects of Daniel and his friends. And today we're going to look at Daniel's courage. But as we're reading through the passage, it's interesting to compare Daniel's courage versus the insecurities of Nebuchadnezzar. Because you see this mighty king who's incredibly insecure, and then he receives this troubling dream uh, that Daniel has to, to share with him. And so today we are going to be talking about courage. If we talk about courage, we really can't talk about courage without also talking about fear, can we? Courage and fear. We live in an age of fear. Do you agree with that? We live in an age of fear. There's a lot of fear. I mean, look at the news. Look at our society. Look at the political climate, the religious climate. I mean, there's fear all over the place. And so I want to start by asking you, what scares you? What makes you afraid? The dark? 
dinosaurs, you know what? Dinosaurs would scare me too. I remember seeing Jurassic Park for the first time in movie theater. Scared the living something out of me. What else? What scares you, honestly? What makes you afraid? Come on, adults. I know we don't outgrow all our fears. Ellie? Maybe so. And some people have the same fears about the church, that we won't know how to conduct ourselves in the world around us. What else? What scares you? Anybody? Health? Losing your good health? Safety. It's a big one. One of your closet doors opens at night. That would that would kind of creep me out too. Anything could. Except there's probably not even anything in there. Unless you left something funky in there. I don't know. Best possibility? <laughs> the sock monster. But you know what? It's interesting because you, you, you look at the cycle of the news, and that's where sometimes I just have to turn the TV off. Anybody like that? You watch it. I mean, especially with we, we keep having this string of mass shootings, and one not long ago in a church. Here we are meeting on a Sunday morning, and someone walks in. We hear about terrorist attacks all over the world. We're seeing all the sexual harassment stuff and improper behavior that's making the news right now, and that probably makes quite a few people scared. What about cancer, disease? We have these scares all around us, and you know what? If, if we succumb to it, I, it makes me wonder how any of us leave our house every day sometimes, because something could happen, and, and the rhetoric we keep hearing is one of fear. That's what really scares me is that we, we just, we're talking about fear. We're perpetuating fear so much. And I see people clamping up. You know, we, we talk as a church that we, we want to see our community changed by hope and healing. But I see so many people li living otherwise. And so many motivated more by fear than anything else in the world. And far too many leaders utilizing fear to get their agenda across. All across the board. And is that good for us? Daniel lived in a climate of fear. I mean, can you imagine working for Nebuchadnezzar, this mighty king who was at that time essentially the king of the world, the known world in that area? He had great power, but a man who was so incredibly insecure, but had the power at any moment to just say, you're done, off with your head. He had tried but it didn't work out. But Daniel had every reason to fear, did he not? And then here he is supposed to deliver this challenging message to the guy who could just put him to death. Brought before him. So the, the question I have is, how did Daniel find courage in his age of fear? 
You know, I think too often we think that when we talk about these heroes of the faith and, and the people that we idolize, that we think of them as superheroes. That Daniel was some sort of superhero. But I'm here to tell you, Daniel was an ordinary man. An ordinary man just like you and me. Any one of us in this room, Daniel was an ordinary person. It's not like he had superpowers. You know, I see, you see all the superhero movies coming out, and I'm one of those that really enjoys all the superhero movies. Yes, yes, there's, there's all sorts of great ones coming out, but you know, Daniel didn't have super strength, laser vision, or any of the superpowers. He was just a regular person, and in the face of fear, he was able to find courage. How do we do the same? Before I go any further, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Wonderful God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to meet in your name, to gather in this place, and we pray, great God, that your presence would be upon us, that your Holy Spirit would dwell with us here, would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. And Lord, we pray that you would silence any voice in us but your own as we dig deeper into this story of Daniel and look at his courage and how we might find courage as well. And Lord, I pray, as my words stray from yours, may they fall away and quickly be forgotten, but may your word, your truth, and your promise remain upon our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, amen. So here in that long passage that we read earlier, we have a dream coming to Nebuchadnezzar, right? This dream that he couldn't tell. This is the second time in Daniel that he's received a dream that he couldn't know, and then all his special magicians and seers couldn't figure out what the dream meant. And Daniel, who's been renamed Belteshazzar, it comes into the scene and under, is, given, is granted by God the ability to discern these dreams. And in this, this dream, he dreams of this mighty tree that we learn later through the interpretation is Nebuchadnezzar himself, and God chops it down. So Daniel is having to come to Nebuchadnezzar and essentially say, yeah, God wants to chop you down. Who here wants to deliver that kind of message to someone in power? Have you ever heard of killing the messenger? It happens. It happens far too often. And so Daniel is given this difficult message to share. And so the question becomes, you know, was Daniel afraid? Was Daniel afraid? Well, let's look at verse 19. If you're looking at verse 19, it says in the ESV, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Daniel, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. Okay, let's stop at that phrase, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. Does that look like a man who didn't care about the consequences at all or didn't know what was going on or just, you know, we think of when people are brave and courageous that they feel no fear. Was that Daniel? No. He realizes what he's got to say and he's dismayed and it says for a while. So you get this sense that Daniel's contemplating, do I really want to share this with this man? He's not going to like what he's about to hear. Do I really want to share with it. And he's alarmed, it says. To me, that's fear. He was probably scared out of his mind. God, what do I do here? And God's going, this is the message. 
This is what you have to dream. Daniel was scared. Why? His life was on the line. We feel fear for our lives at times, don't we? He had convicting news to share with the king. God was judging Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel was in the place of sharing that judgment. He had to be the mediator of God's difficult news. And so if we talk about courage, what is courage? I think we first have to understand what courage is not. And so our first point is this. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage simply is not the absence of fear. Or to put it in the words of Nelson Mandela, he said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Fear is, or courage is not the absence of fear. I think too, far too often we treat it as such. That we think that courageousness is out of our reach because, well, you know, I'm afraid. Well, you know what? We're all afraid. We all have fears. So if courage is not the absence of fear, what is it? Courage is feeling feel fear, feeling fear. I didn't have enough coffee this morning, apparently. Courage is feeling fear, yet choosing to act in the face of it. I mean, think, think for a moment with me. Facing a great obstacle, uh, an obstacle without fear has far more to do with stupidity and ignorance than it does with courage. And I've often told people that the day that I step up in front of a group of people trying to share the word of God and I don't have a bit of fear in me, then I need to stop. Because then I don't understand the magnitude of what I'm doing. Because you know, Scripture speaks very specifically about how harsher the judgment is for those who teach the word. And if I were to lead any of you astray, I'm told it's better to have a millstone tied around my neck and go, go out for a swim. And we all know how that ends. So, yeah, I'm scared when I step up here. I don't want to lead you astray. I don't want to lead anybody astray. I want to only speak the word of God. And so fear is a necessity in that. But courageousness is choosing to step beyond that fear and act in the face of it. So it doesn't mean you don't have to be afraid to be courageous. Or I said that wrong. I, just, I think you know what I mean. You have fear when you are courageous. If you don't have any fear, that's not courage. So courage is not the absence of fear. Daniel and his companions were chosen by God to be courageous during a turbulent time. And reading Daniel helps us to see how God used their courage to fulfill his will. So they act in the face of their fear. But do we think that only Daniel and his companions were created to be courageous and they were somehow this chosen few? Or have others been created to be courageous? Let's journey away from the book of Daniel for a moment. We'll look at, the, at Proverbs 28.1. In Proverbs 28.1, this verse says, The wicked flee from no one for no, when no one pursues, for, and the righteous are bold as a lion. 
but the righteous are bold as a lion. And then in Psalm 31, 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Okay, considering these, that the wicked flee from no one, when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And then in Psalm 31, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Who do you think is created to be courageous? The righteous? Us. That's our second point. We are created to be courageous. Every single one of us. We're created. It wasn't just a chosen few. It wasn't those who received the superpowers. It's each and every one of us. It's God's creation. And created in God's own image, we are created to be courageous. Each and every one of, one of us. So really, when we're having these moments of, will I have courage, we're battling against ourselves. Are we going to be who are truly created to be? Or are we going to choose to be lesser than that? How many of us choose a lesser story instead of finding our place in the greater story? We all have a place in God's great story, but we choose a lesser one so often. God created you to be courageous. To stand in the face of fear and go, I'm scared out of my mind, but because I know this is right, I am going to act and move forward. You were created for such a time as this. Imagine how different our political, our social, and our religious climate would be if more of us chose to have courage instead of constantly speaking fear. Wouldn't it be different? Wouldn't our dialogue be different? Wouldn't how we treat one another be different? Imagine neighborhoods where we chose to be courageous instead of living into our fear and our suspicions of our neighbors. We drive into our mini fortresses, you know, the garage door opens, you drive in, it closes behind you, and when a neighbor's out in the yard, instead of thinking, oh, hey, I'm going to go talk to my neighbors, like, what's he doing? What's he scattering out there? The ashes of dead bodies? I mean, what is, I mean, our minds go to these crazy places, and we isolate ourselves. We were created to be courageous, not fearful. We need more courage. But how? How do we find more courage? How do we stand in the face of the fear that perpetuates and say, I am going to be courageous? Well, we learn in verse 27 at the end of chapter 4 of Daniel, that Daniel is standing before the king. He says, therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. And there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Those are bold words to speak to the king of the known world. This leads us to our third and final point. Courage is found in truth. Courage is not found in fear. Courage is not found in lies or half-truths. Courage is found in truth. So what truth 
did Daniel know that gave him courage? What truth did Daniel know? That God was with him. Marcus Cicero says, a man of courage is also full of faith. A man of courage is also full of faith. Daniel had faith, but faith in who? Faith in the God most high. What is faith? I know I've given this definition before, but it's a great definition. John Calvin defines faith as this, a firm and certain knowledge of God's benevolence toward us, found upon the truth of the freely given promise in Christ, both revealed to our minds and sealed upon our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I realize that's one of those definitions that you're like, okay, I've got to read that a couple times. And believe me, we did in seminary, we parsed each part. But the most important parts are highlighted, I think, for our purposes today. It's a firm and certain knowledge that God is good. I know we don't tend to talk about benevolence a lot. So God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. God is good. So it's that knowledge that starts there. Faith is God is good, and it's truth. And that promise is shared freely through Jesus. That's essentially what we're saying here. God is good. Do you believe God is good? Because if you're going to find courage in the face of fear, you have to know that God is good. God is not an evil dictator. And when people talk about, well, it's the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, I'm sorry, it's the same God across the board. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament and vice versa. And the God of the Old Testament wasn't just angrier and forgot to take his pills. That God is a God of love. And a God who was broken to see the world falling into fear, into chaos, when he created it to be good and to live in harmony and for us to love one another and not have that fear. And so, yeah, God was a little ticked but because God is good and God is love and God is pure. That is truth. And not only is God good, but God created us. Not the other way around as we often tend to treat it. God created us. The other truth is God is in control. God is is the sovereign one, the one who is in control, the one who is all-powerful, ever-present, all-knowing. That is the one who is in control. And God is love. These are the truths we have to stand upon if we are to have faith and to have the courage that goes with it. We have to find our faith upon the truth Courage is finding faith in someone beyond us, and we must seek what is true. But yet we often hear the phrase, or have you heard the phrase, you know, follow your heart? Anybody heard that? Anybody said that? Follow your heart? Well, I'm here to tell you there's merit to that statement, but it's wrong. Following your heart, if you follow your heart alone, can lead you to some very bad places. Here's why. Our hearts can deceive us. We can yearn for things that are not good. So often we choose to live our lives 
on things that are false or half true instead of the truth. That's why we speak of courageousness being founded in the truth, because we choose to live into the lies. And often fears speak lies and half-truths into our life. I mean, consider this age of fear that we live in. In fact, some commentators of our culture and writers talk about this age of fear that we find ourselves in. And I ran across an interesting article actually in Rolling Stone in 2016 that talks about this age of fear and how people are so scared from mass shootings to this and that. But then the, the, the author looks and says, well, are we looking at what is true and the facts? Because let's look at the statistics. You know, people talk about being scared. I don't want to even leave my house without packing heat. Because I'm scared there's going to be a mass shooting. But you know what? If you look at the statistics, life expectancy is at an all-time high. People are living longer than they ever have before. Violent crimes worldwide are down. We live in one of the safest times in history. Do you believe that? Statistically, we do. Don't get me wrong, there's some still bad wars raging. There are bad things that are happening, but statistically, it's less than it ever has been before. We live in one of the safest times in all of human history, and yet we are scareder than ever. And consider these death statistics from 2016. On a daily basis, 117 people would die of suicide. 129 of overdose. 96 of car accidents. And approximately 1,300 are deaths due to complications with smoking. Those are some of the highest statistics of daily death. But consider this. The biggest threat to our safety is yourself. Not someone else. Now, I don't mean to belittle people's pain. Things happen. And we should be careful. We should not be careless. But should we really be so afraid and let that hamper us from doing what God has called us to do? That bold vision that we have as a church to see our community changed by the hope and healing of Jesus, you know what, that's a bold vision. And it's going to take courage if we hope to ever see it come to fruition. We have to have courage. We can't fear. If we let fear override our courage, we will not see God bring that to fruition through us. We have to have courage. Why then are we so afraid? Because we've lost sight of the truth. Let's not lose sight of the truth. A great quote by Lord Chesterfield. Man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. Are we ready to lose sight of the shore? What would you do if you had the courage? Or as the cowardly lion said, if you only had the nerve. What would you do? Courage is not the absence of fear. We are all created to be courageous. And courage is found in the truth. Let us pray. God, we thank you for calling us to courage. To calling us to a better life beyond the one we often choose. To calling us 
to a higher calling, to calling us to hope, to bringing us healing. And Lord, we thank you for this big vision that you've given us. And God, we pray that you would grant us opportunities to be courageous in the face of our fears. Let us rest in the promise of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, amen. Courage. What makes a king out of a slave? Courage. What makes the flag on the mast a wave? Courage. What makes the elephant charge his tusk in the misty mist or the dusky dusk? What makes the muskrat guard his musk? Courage. What makes the sphinx the seventh wonder? Courage. What makes the dawn come up like thunder? Courage. What makes the hot and top so hot? What puts the ape in apricot? What have they got that I ain't got? Courage. You could say that again. So let's stand and firm our faith together. Today we're going to be using a portion of uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, which is one of our creeds, and in it we ask two questions. And the first, actually, let's see, we'll go, uh, 